Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me. How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have good day, sir. Daisy. everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out. Mm, so, Mrs. Hughes, are you ready to join the high table? Do you think arms will reach? <laughs> <laughs> I serve and I live to serve. You, yeah, you do? Oh, God. All right, well, welcome to Wades of Cinema, guys. I'm Jack, and is with me always is... Wifely duties, Corey. Mm, you took some duties on this week, and... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a little bit of a weird thing to say, but, um... No, we are we are here to do a little something interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about a new movie, but we're also going to talk about other films in a particular series that um, I had seen before, but Corey actually had not. And that is the John Wick trilogy. Uh, if it stays a trilogy, but we'll call it a trilogy for now. I've watched all three John Wick movies in the last week. Yes, yes, all three John Wick movies, including the new one. Um, and goddamn, oh, that, that third movie. We're going to get to that. But I want to just ask you again, uh, why did you decide to watch the, these movies? Why don't you tell our listeners? All right, so generally, I'm not a big action movie person, so these movies didn't appeal to me when they came out. I do have a little bit of cinematic bloodlust in me, and I do like seeing hyper-violent movies. Yeah, it's interesting times. with you, because, yeah, you don't like action movies. Like, you would not go see, like, a new Fast and the Furious movie. No. No. <laughs> You're... But, Corey, it's it's all about family. <laughs> it's all about family. You have to be into the family. Um, but but you do appreciate some good blood-curdling violence. I do, yes. I do like blood-curdling violence. Usually, I scratch that itch with horror movies, although now they're all PG-13 pap. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, the, the, these movies, I feel like, are... I don't know if there are too many others like them out there as far as... Action movies that are hard, hard R-rated, like, and I mean, even the third movie, I feel like this is a sign that Hollywood just doesn't give a shit. Like, to me, if I was on the MPAA, I almost would argue that this should be like NC-17. Give the people the blood they crave. <laughs> Let there be blood, you'd, you mean to say? <laughs> but, so, with so... But you really, like... You, yeah, it's really because of the hockey podcast. Yeah, so when these movies came out, even though they were generally well-regarded, that didn't really break through with me. Because I was like, eh, I don't really like action movies. With the exception of Premium Rush. That and... That's one of those weird things about you. Uh... <laughs> Premium Rush. Is a I mean, totally it's, it's I, I showed you fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you were like, Eh. Yeah, but premium rush. That's where it's at. But anyway, generally, <laughs> I don't. Uh, that's why I'm married to you. I don't really like action movies, but 
I listen to many hockey podcasts. Many hockey podcasts. This is the thing that you don't quite know about our wifely duties. She, this isn't a duty for her. It's pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Why and... this? When she's wifely pleasures, Corey, she's <laughs> listening to the hockey podcasts. <laughs> and I felt like all my hockey podcasts were talking about John Wick so much. And well, well, especially when the second one came out, yeah, which it was wasn't two really, years ago. It wasn't really when the first one came out. But when the second movie came out, I felt like I was inundated with John Wick content on my hockey podcast. And I also follow a lot of hockey commentators on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was just inundated with John Wick hype. So, well, well, it was interesting, though, because the first John Wick, it wasn't like a massive box office sensation. But... I think it was one of those things that enough people did go to see it that I think that it was a good example of that you could still have a franchise where, hey, if you take a chance on a movie that, oh my God, has no other property attached to it, it's just, hey, we have a star, we have a script, let's make a movie, you could yeah. still get something from it. Because the first John Wick, it made, now it didn't make like a small pod change it made 43 million uh domestically altogether close to 90 million and that was on a 20 million dollar budget so it it was a hit technically but not a huge hit it no. wasn't a hit in the way that hollywood wants a lot of movies to be hits where so we're lucky you, we got a sequel yeah well i think but well, i think part of that was because it became especially a hit on video because i think enough people had heard about seen it and then told their friends. So it's a good example that you can still have a word of mouth hit. You know, where it does make money in theaters, then it also makes money on video. And then the second movie, that's where I think it's really, it took off. Um, and that made uh, a good chunk of change. That that made over almost $170 million. So months ago, you took the first two John Wick movies out of the library. We sat down to watch the first one together. I was sleepy, and I needed to go take a nap about 15 minutes into the first movie. Yes, you need to have your concentration for, for these movies. <laughs> it had um, nothing to do with the quality of the movie. I was no. just sleepy. Well, well to give you the, the the premise, if you haven't maybe seen these movies, and if you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this, unless if you just like our sweet voices. Uh, <laughs> I think there are a lot of people out there who love your sweet voice. Oh, they like your voice, too. Um, anyway... The first John Wick, like, when I watched this um, years back, what struck me was how the the writer uh, and director of this movie just decided, okay, let's take, let's go to a point that is almost, it would be, it, we, we're dancing on the, the, the tightrope of it being laughable, like, our premise, because it's basically... In screenwriting, they they kind of teach you if you want to get an audience's sympathy, it's so easy to do it. George Lucas actually talked about this too years back. He said like, "Hey, you know, it's so easy to get audience sympathy. Just like you kill a cat, and that's pretty much it." And in this movie, you have a guy, and what I love is if you happen to go into this in the first John Wick, knowing nothing about it, you don't know for the first like twenty minutes, maybe that he is who we find out who he is. It's like the movie opens, and he's just a guy who's just buried his wife, 
And right after this, he his wife arranged to give him a, a little puppy. She sent him a puppy from the grave. And of course, it's the cutest puppy. It's like, so cute. as soon as you see it, everybody in the audience on cue is like, aww. And, um, uh, and then, of course, but then the problem is that, just like in these movies, no one can leave something alone. You always have to have one stupid fucking idiot who can't mind their own business. And that comes in the form of, uh, Alfie Allen, who... Theon Greyjoy. Of course, you remember him as the late, great Theon Greyjoy. Oh, is that a spoiler? Too bad. <laughs> it's been out now for a few weeks. We live dangerously yeah. on the podcast. So, basically, John Wick is with his puppy. He's at, like, a gas station. And Theon Greyjoy... Or, or I say Reek. Russian Greyjoy. Yeah, uh, Russian Reek. He's in Reek mode. Yeah, he's in full Reek. And I mean, early on in the show, when you first meet Reek... <gasps> When he was, you know, a murderous asshole. And, you know, John Wick rebuffs him. And, oh my god, these Russians decide, yeah, yeah let's kill this, let's kill the the dog and steal his car. Um, but, and, but the thing that's funny is John Wick has already, he, he's left the life, so to speak. He hasn't, you know, he, he hasn't done anything in years because he's been married and he retired. But... Had to kill his dog. Do you know I read in an interview with Keanu Reeves in the first John Wick movie, they shot um, some scenes of him restoring old leather copies of books, and that was supposed to be John Wick's hobby and passion. Yeah, and they cut them out of the movie, but... I read an interview with Connor Reeves, and they asked him some, and they asked him a question, something like, well, "What did John Wick do when he was retired?" Now this is making me think about something from the third movie, though, and we'll get to that. And... Uh, that that's interesting that like they cut that out of the movie because you could say that pays off in the third movie. But yeah, they said that John, they said they shot material of John Wick restoring old books, oh. and that's what he did. In retirement. But. Yeah. I mean, and basically what what you think is going to happen, happens. We suddenly get the back, we get a really brief backstory, you know, from basically the, the, the Russian Reek, his dad is a Russian mob boss, and he has to explain to his shithead son, you kill, you didn't just kill, it's not about what you did, it's about who you did it to as he says, because John Wick is, quote, Baba Yaga, a.k.a. the Boogeyman. Yes. And that's when we get into uh, what you're expecting, which is hard-hitting, bone-crunching action. Yes. So, months ago, when you first tried to get me to watch these movies, I fell asleep 15 minutes into the first one. Then I never was in the mood to watch them. Then, last week, you finally said, okay... Third movie's coming out, so it's time for you to sit down and watch other John Wick movies. I'm glad I could finally peel you away from your myriad of important reality shows to (laughs) to watch these. Um, Yeah, and rewatching them, uh, rewatching the first one and then uh, Chapter 2, the sequel, I feel pretty much the same way I do about both of them, which is um, the first one is... In terms of story, it's so thin. It's like boilerplate thin, except for the mythology that they set up, which we'll get into. 
Um, now, what was it that you said about the first one that you like it, but you kind of don't? Well, here's what I said. I like the movie. The action choreography is great. These movies were directed by a former stuntman, so he yes. really knows choreography inside and out. That's Chad uh, Stileski is the uh, director of these. I like all the stylistic touches. I said I liked the movie, the first one, but it didn't knock my socks off. I didn't say, like, OMG, this is amazing. I liked it. My issue was John Wick himself is such a deadpan character yes. that occasionally it tilts a little too much into well, the well, inert category. Yeah, for you me. you use the word inert, and I don't I don't know if that's totally fair. I think Keanu Reeves is giving a real performance. I mean, the scene early on in the movie when he reads the the, the note his wife left him and ha has the puppy in front of him and kind of finally breaks down crying. Like that was that was really good acting. Like it's I believed a, him in that. It's not an actor problem. It's it's. I mean, Keanu Reeves delivers a fine performance. It's just that the character, and I realize this is fundamental to the John Wick ethos. Mm -hmm. The character is so reserved and so buttoned down, well, and so it, there's a part of me that kind of finds that a little refreshing, though, because we went through so many decades of. Um, in particular, in American action movies of you know winking and smirking and uh, you know catchphrases from like Arnold and uh, Stallone and all that, and even Jean Claude Van Damme got into that a little bit. So it's kind of cool to see what is kind of, in a way, to me like a samurai story or something. Uh -huh. Like if you stripped it down, like you could do this kind of story in like feudal Japan. <laughs> And he's basically that kind of guy. He's a, you know, what they call like a Ronin or something. And I, I kind of like that about it. At the same time, it, I, I look at the first movie and the action is, you know, there's a reason why it got its reputation because it's truly kinetic and you, you're watching it and they're holding on shots. You get to see the choreography. It almost becomes at times like dance, but with people being shot. <laughs> with with real and it looks like a lot of the blood is real too. It shows you how lazy and perfunctory most action movies are by comparison. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure they use CGI here and there, but they do a pretty good job in the first movie of hiding it. Like You with, also told me they use squibs for the blood. They use squibs. Also, I in an interview I heard with Keanu Reeves, he said he does actually almost all of his own fighting. The only times his stunt double is used, really, is when he's really getting banged or, like, is hit by a car. You know, it's so obvious, too. Like, when the audience is watching it, it's so obvious that he's doing most of the work. In a good way. Because the way the movie is shot, mm -hmm. it wouldn't really accommodate a lot of stunt double work. Here's a, here's a weird little thing I, I don't want to forget to mention, that... I noticed in both the second and the third movie, there are, like, Easter egg references to Buster Keaton. Yeah, I saw you put that on your letterbox review, but you I didn't, haven't... You didn't spot him. I don't think I've ever seen a Buster Keaton movie, so I wouldn't get your Buster Keaton oh. references. <laughs> oh, be still my heart. 
Why am I married to you if you haven't seen Buster Keaton? I know, you've tolerated me in your home for all these years. and I think actually once I tried to show you the general and it like you were so not into it. I don't It actually wasn't it wasn't a great copy to be fair. Like I actually didn't watch the general for a long time because I had a bad DVD of it. But anyway, I I don't remember your fat attempt to give me culture. But it's clear that like it's kind of cool if the filmmakers do that. Again, it it, I noticed at the very beginning of the second movie, and I noticed it here again, like his face is on screen for a good couple of seconds, and if like you know where to look for it, it, wait, Buster Keaton's face was in the movie. They what? Well, at the be. I know we're jumping ahead here. I'm not going to reveal what is happening, but there's a part in the very beginning of the third movie where uh, John Wick is in Times Square, and up on you know all around him are obviously all the screens that you have in Times oh, Square, and Keaton. one of them was showing a clip from Buster Keaton. That's funny. I didn't notice. Yeah, that. and they did that also at the beginning of the second movie too, and I, it's clear that these filmmakers, they as much as they're into. As much as I'm sure these movies are clearly marketed and eaten up by a lot of macho meatheads, it's cool that they work in a little film history back to, you know, the original action star of uh, comedy. Oh, that's another thing we should mention, too. These movies are, and also even with the first one, at times very funny. Yes, there is some humor in here. So my feelings about the first one are... What I said to you is, I actually think at a conceptual level, there's not much going on in John Wick 1. With one exception. That we'll which mention. we'll get to. One exception. But the execution of a rather pedestrian plot is very strong. Yes. It's a good example of um, that screenplay maxim that is, if you have even half, if you have something that's even decent and you have great execution, you can elevate it. If the material's bad and it has great execution, though, that might be... Because the ex- the material here isn't bad. It's just kind of standard. Like, you could give this script to someone else and they might have turned out just a, a B-grade, you know, maybe even direct-to-video movie. And I do think, though... But it's also the movie, cast, too. I'm sorry. The first movie does a great job of world building without being too expository or too clumsy. Yes, this is uh, that's where the script is really clever and it almost it made me think about watching it again. I my mind drifted to um certain graphic novels that I've read. And when I say graphic novels, I mean stuff that's meant for more for adults, not kids, because there are certain uh writers uh you know, not not always in the... If they are writing for Marvel or DC, these are the adult labels. They're like what they call Vertigo. Or used to have Marvel Max. <laughs> I don't know if they still have that imprint anymore that Disney has them. But um, you had certain writers, like people like uh, Grant Morrison and Garth Ennis and even Mark Millar. And these, these writers... Um, Mark Millar is the guy that did Kick-Ass, uh, Garth Ennis did a lot of work on The Punisher, and they have a lot of these, sometimes these little series that they do, where they are fairly realistic, except they have one, they have their own kind of world building, and it feels like at times, 
and I know I might be repeating a little bit of what Film Spotting said their review, <laughs> but it at times has a bit of a comic book quality. Yeah, the Film Spotting guy said they were shocked this wasn't based on a graphic novel. Yeah, it's like they basically created their own kind of graphic novel, and that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I could see this character being in an ongoing comic book series. Maybe that's why it took off, ironically, because even though it's an original property, it... it well, basically what we're talking about is in the first movie, uh, we're shown that uh, it's not just, you know, oh, they're rant, you know, typical hitmen and mob bosses or whatever. There, There's an entire network, and it all revolves... And you, there's a place in New York City called the Continental where hitmen can, you know, check in and, um, you know, they, they can do their business out in the city as long as they don't kill anyone on continental grounds. Yeah, so we learn that the hitmen relate to each other in these highly formalized, highly polite... Yeah, Highly routinized interaction. You know what it reminded me of now I think about it? It's like a more, it's like a slightly more deadpan version of this bit from, uh, there's a Looney Tunes episode. It's like one of the only ones where Wiley e. Coyote talks. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. It's like, it, but it, it does involve him and the Roadrunner. It involves him, he's going, like, Wiley e. Coyote's going after uh, sheep, and there's like a sheepdog. And at the beginning and end of the episode, they literally clock in and clock out. And as remember. they're passing each other, they go, morning, Ralph. Morning, <laughs> Sam. And then the rest of the episode is just, you know, shenanigans between them, you know, tr trying to <laughs> get or defend cheap. And it's so funny. I'm surprised you don't remember that from Looney Tunes. It's, uh, it's like this, because they'll, like, John Wick will be like, you know, see another hitman and be like, sup? Hello. And they'll sometimes John Wick in these movies he'll be fighting someone who can kind of match him almost maybe not quite but almost um, I mean you know that John Wick could probably kill and it's not always a guy it might be a girl and instead of finishing them off they'll end and they'll kind of give like a be seeing you be seeing you <laughs> and it's just it's so funny it's just so. It's like these movies understand the conventions of action movies, and yet it has its cake and eats it. It gets to still be like a hard-hitting action movie, while just knowing how to walk the line enough, where it doesn't go into being like a like Machete, for example, where that is also like an overblown action movie, but that's just like so excessive. This is excessive, and yet there's like a level of class to it does that make sense well the hitmen themselves operate under the delusion that they are honorable people yeah they have a they have a quote-unquote code they have a code they have a code there even there's even a point where uh, ian mcshane he's the manager at the continental and he says you know you know there are reasons we have rules otherwise i think there's a line he says where he's if we we must have rules otherwise we're no we're no different than the animals. Yeah. There's a line like that. And, and it's obvious this guild of hitmen with their very 
complex rules. You've been around for a long time. Yeah, and they even... It's such a nice mythology that they already established in the first movie where, you know, it's like they they use coins instead of regular money. They have... um, Again, and this made me think of samurai lore. They also have uh, debts that they sort of pay to each other. Well, we don't see that until the second movie, right? The markers? Uh... No, I guess not. No, I guess they're they don't show the markers in the first movie. I thought maybe they did, but no. I you're should right. re- I should remember. Yeah, we this. just watched we the movie. We just watched the movie. Well, some of them blend together after a while. Um, but basically, what you expect in the first movie is kind of what you get. Oh, I mean, again, it's it's a revenge scene. movie. The cop scene in the first movie. Yes. Oh, so and that, good. Yeah, because there's a part where I was the bad guys come to John Wick's place to try to take him out. Because they know, all right, well, we got to try to take him down now that my shithead son has done this. So, And obviously, John Wick kicks their asses uh, all the way to Sunday. And suddenly, this cop comes at his door. And at first, you think, oh, shit. Nope, the cop is A-OK. The cop is totally in on it. (laughs) Yeah, you cracked up during that scene. Yeah, so generally, my feelings about the first John Wick movie... It's a good movie, I liked it, which for me, me saying it's a good movie, I liked it for an action movie, is the equivalent of like a five-star rate. Because <laughs> I don't really like action movies. Even even movies I like very much that have action in them, I mainly see the action as something tedious I have to sit through in order to get to the parts of the story I, I yeah. like. No, no. And this to, is not like that. Yeah, and to me, as someone who does watch a good number of action movies, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say I'm a connoisseur, but I'm not, you know, a casual watcher. I, I like, no, uh, you know, just like with any movie, I like to watch something that's well done, well executed. And yeah, the execution is what raises this into another level. And I feel like the filmmakers maybe were even aware of that too. They wanted to give themselves something that was so bare bones, simple. You kill my dog. Now you must die. Bam. That's a movie. Like I would love to, not for the entire movie, but I would show, I'd love to show the first act of this movie to like screenwriting students and tell them, look, if you're worried about writing a movie, it's not hard. Look, John Wick could do it, so you can do it too. Um, let's we should move on maybe to the second movie because yeah. that's where, to me, I I think the series kind of gets better and better as it goes. And what's fascinating with the second movie is, and then and this one uh, picks up pretty much where the first one leaves off um, because John Wick has gets into this shit with these Russian mobsters, he's now quote unquote back. Yeah. He's not, you know, he can't, you know, he's now returned to the life that he tried to leave behind with his wife. Um, so now this guy comes out of the woodwork who John Wick owes a debt to. Welcome to Rome. Is this a formal event or a social affair? Social. How many buttons? Two. And what style? Tactical. Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. I guess it is in the second movie they established that you, like, it's like this little shell, and if, you know, when you 
pay when you do a favor for someone, you then like someone sticks uh, like their thumb into it, and it's basically like a blood oath. Yeah. So if someone has a marker on you, yes, that means that you owe them a favor, and. A really high-class favor, not like a can-you-drive-me-to-the-airport favor. Yeah, and so in the second movie, this uh, big-time Italian uh, uh, greaseball, um, <laughs> he, he decides, like, yeah, it's time for you to, uh, do, to pay your dues uh, to me, John. And, of course, Wick's like, no. Guy, you know, burns down his house. Um, at first, John Wick wants to get him, but then he realizes, yeah, I guess because of the marker, I'll have to do that. Guy tells John Wick, yeah, go to Italy and kill my sister. Who is <laughs> on something called the high table, which yeah. is kind of the governing Yeah, I, th- I have body. to wonder if, I have to wonder if they had that figured out in the first movie, or if they decided to establish that in the second one. That would be something interesting I would, I would want to know from the writers, because, because uh, yeah, because once they introduce this thing called the high table, I was wondering if you, actually, I had a question for you, Corey, did this remind you at all, like, when they have this whole high table, um, did they have, like, a, did they have something like that in Buffy? They had the Watchers Council. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, I, if I remember from that, the Watchers Council was also a bunch of bureaucratic fucking assholes. So this guy wants to take his sister's seat at the high table, so he's got to kill her. Yeah, but, of course, the catch-22 is John Wick goes, kind of kills her? Because that's a a scene unto itself. That's actually one of the weaker scenes in these movies, I thought. Like, it takes a little while, actually, in the second movie for it to really get going, in a way, because you're just watching, you know... John Wick going to Italy, gets sued up, goes to this place, and the sister, actually, spoiler, but again, you're listening to these reviews, you see the movies, Uh, she basically slits her wrists, John Wick shoots her anyway, but, uh uh-oh, turns out the brother says, hey, you killed my sister, (laughs) you must die, and it's a nice little catch point too, because the guy, you know, told uh, told John Wick, all right, you kill my sister, your marker is uh, clean, you know, we're, we're, we're square. But then he turns around and says, no, wait, are you kidding? You killed my sister. Now, and now <laughs> I'm on the high, now I'm at, I have a seat at the high table, your ass is dead. And they now a bounty is put on John Wick. And yeah. that's where the movie takes off. Yeah, so my feelings about John Wick 2, what I said to you is, I would give I would give them um John Wick and John Wick 2 probably the same star rating but, but I don't you feel differently I feel them. differently about them. I feel like John Wick 1 is a is a steady good movie. Pretty much every scene is like roughly of equivalent quality. My feelings about it beginning to end solid movie. John Wick 2 I actually think is quite dull and unsatisfying in the beginning, Mm. but the second half of John Wick 2 is a lot better than anything in John Wick 1. There are a couple of plotting scenes early on in the movie. I mean, frankly, the villain, you know, this Italian guy, I feel like a problem in both the first and second movie, the Russian dude, um, and God, I'm now... Oh, 
His name, I think he's played by this guy Michael Nickvist. He plays Vigo Tarasov. He's in the first movie. Second movie with John Wick 2, um, that guy, I think he's Santino D'Antonio. He's played by an actor, Ricardo. Oh, God. I can't wait to say this guy's name. Ricardo Scarmarchio. Oh, I thought for a second I was looking at Scaramucci. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, those those villains, they're kind of stuck. Yeah. That's the problem. They're just, I'm going to get to John Wick. And they're, like, very sneering. And, you know, that's the, I guess that's the one problem. It's a little bit of that Marvel problem where you have such a, yeah. you have a good lead character and the villains are just a little more stock. Now, that's not to say what, what what's cool in these movies, though. They populate them with a lot of good supporting actors. So, like, yeah. in the first movie, you have Willem Dafoe. They introduce Ian McShane again as the uh, manager. Oh, uh, we were just talking about this Lance guy before Reddick. we recorded. So Lance Reddick, it, for those of you who don't know. We love this guy because he was on Oz. He's one of those guys that you look, you see his face and you go, oh, that guy. He was on Oz. He was on Law and Order. You've watched more of The Wire than I have. He's on The Wire. He was he was the, he was, the uh, he was one of the, the main detective guys. And he was on Lost. So. Yes, and he, you know, if you look him up, he's been in, you know, so many movies, and he's the concierge. Oh, that's the other thing too to note. That's kind of funny in these movies, except for John Wick and maybe one or two other people. You never find out their names. Yeah. Like, well, I guess eventually you find out Winston is the name of uh, the manager at McShane Place. But again, you have characters like. Hotel manager, concierge, and um, especially once you get into the third movie, um, characters uh, like the director and Lawrence Fishburne it gets introduced in the second movie as the Bowery King. Lawrence Fishburne is so excellent in these movies. Oh man, it's so much so fun! Good. And you know, I had heard that he was in the second movie, but I had no idea it's. It's just so great because the filmmakers clearly know, all right, we know the audiences are are anticipating reuniting uh, Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. What are they going to do? Lawrence Fishburne is having the time of his life in this part. He's basically like a kind of sub-lord in the New York City, and he has all these pigeons that he controls. He has an army of pigeons, an army of fake homeless people. Oh my god, we're going to get to the homeless people in a second. Because in the third movie, that that stood out to me in a certain way. Um, yeah, he was almost like, his character is like somebody out of the Ninja Turtles. If they took it <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is so great. Especially in the second movie. Or at one point, like... He just says, somebody please get this man a gun. <laughs> like, his delivery is just, this is the anti-Morpheus, where, like, Morpheus is like, I'm going to show you things. You know. <laughs> I'm going to be very cool. No, this guy's like, shit, I got these pigeons. I'm, I'm, I'm a motherfucker. Um, so he's in these. So they have a lot of these cool supporting characters in, in these films that helped to elevate too, and yeah, I feel like the action in the second movie. I think they decide like we're going to really try to up our game, even from the first movie. And the pencil comes back in the second movie. Oh, we didn't mention the pencil. So that was part the, of his in the first movie. Yeah. So 
John Wick is really famous amongst other hitmen. And he's so good at his job that even other hitmen are really impressed by him. And they tell stories about him. And in the first movie, they mention that he killed someone with just a pencil. In the second movie, you see him kill some people with pencil. And it's amazing. Oh my god, yes you do, yeah. So, um. yeah, John Wick 2... The second half, I think, really benefits from introducing more dynamic supporting characters. You get to see more of what the Continental's about and also yeah. how the whole network and how the organization of it all uh, comes into play. And even the first movie sets up the idea that if you kill someone in, on the Continental grounds, your ass is grass. Yes. That's another thing these movies do really well, is they do plant and payoffs really well, mm -hmm. and they do foreshadowing really well. Like, the pencil thing in movie one, that comes to fruition in movie two. Or in movie three, in the beginning of the movie, when John Wick goes somewhere, yes, they tell him, take off your belt. And yeah, then in the that's conclusion, an thing. And then in the conclusion of the movie, you see him, you know, right, um... You see some belt mayhem. Yeah. So it's kind of oh, like... Oh, he takes some people to the woodshed, so to speak. So it's kind of... If you mention the belt in Act 1, it must go off in Act 3. Ah! Hey, not bad. <laughs> Chekhov's belt. Uh, it almost sounds like a sci-fi thing. Um, yeah, so I think watching just how the action is filmed, how it's choreographed, how these performers... My God, like some of them... And you wonder, watching some of it, it really, in its way, is kind of movie magic. Because at times, I watch, in particular in the second movie, and then, God, when we get to the third movie, I, wa I watch and I think, how did they do some of this? How did people not, like, die right. on set? <laughs> like, for real? Like, they managed to fake it like that. So, yeah, John Wick 2, I think, is uneven because it's, I think it's really draggy in the beginning. And for me, it's really draggy for like, I don't know, like 40 minutes or something, which is a big debit. But once it gets going, I was really into it. Yeah. I, I, and I told you ahead of time that was the case, but I feel like for me, what works, what does work in John Wick 2, I liked even more than in John Wick 1. Cause again, it's that sequel that builds upon the first movie and they manage to up their game, and they know they want to give the audience more bang for their buck and more surprises, and again, the, the developing the world. And then, of course, the, the cliffhanger, which, oh, yeah, so which is that uh, John Wick finally says, fuck it, and kills a man on continental grounds. And so yeah. now his ass... Like, the end of that second movie, it's such a great little cliffhanger. Because... Yeah. Um, because Winston tells him, all right, I'm going to give you an hour head start. But after that, you're, it's like you're going to have the biggest bounty on your head and everyone yeah. will be after you. So they double the bounty and they threaten him to become what's called excommunicado, which means that there is no safe ground for him. So he can't go to a place like the Continental and he can't get any help from any of the agencies or organizations that arm 
the bounty hunters that treat their medical problems, yeah. that give them their special bullet repellent suits. You know, it's something that just occurred to me in its way. Like, I wonder if, you know, because you were talking about you you would love to have just see like some of these characters hanging out the continental, like some of the mythology in this, it makes you wonder about what society is like in this alternate John Wick universe. Yeah. Like, the fact that, again, that cops just are cool with people killing lots of people in their homes or all these, all this, basically the fact that, like, at one point in one of these movies, a guy is killed just in Grand Central Station. Also, by the way, by the time we... How many gone... people are also just every, like, like... I would say a good four out of ten people in New York City are hitmen <laughs> or hit women. Everybody's a hitman. <laughs> I know that's what makes it so. That's why the second movie, as soon as it suddenly they have this montage where the bounty is put on John Wick for seven million, and you see everybody like all these different people looking at their phones. And did you notice though they all use like old flip phones, not smartphones? Yeah, that's what's interesting. Like, there's a lot of technology, I should mention that too, in these movies, that that's what makes it feel a bit more unique and a bit comic book stylized. Because, for example, you have the administration, so to speak. You have um, this room of secretaries, uh, people typing at actual typewriters, who, and also computers that look like they're from the 80s that input all the information about uh so like for example at the end of the second movie um you see the information being typed in and they also have a blackboard they have a blackboard and i love that because it's i have to think that the writer probably thought to himself well one thing i want to make this feel unique and specific to this world but also Logically, it kind of works in a way because maybe their thought is we have our own system. We have our own computer network so that we're not, you know, we're not connected with the rest of the Internet. But also it will make this movie feel less dated than if they have certain other technology that you see in modern movies. Like, I feel like the John Wick movies will probably date better than the Fast and the Furious movies or like other movies like that. I also told you I want to see an office sitcom. Well, that's what I was talking yeah, about with the yeah. office ladies from. Oh, that would just be like Jim Jarmusch should direct that. <laughs> <laughs> like, get just squeeze the deadpan out of that. <laughs> to dream the impossible dream. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. The right, the Tell me what you want. Passage. I can't help you. To reach the unreachable star. Do you expect him to make it out? A $14 million bounty on his head. And everyone in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Um, all right, so we should get to the third movie. Yeah, so the end of John Wick 2 leaves 
you know, leaves you pretty hype for John Wick 3. And John Wick 3 picks up literally, like, seconds after John Wick 2. Yeah, he, at the beginning of the movie, he still, uh, he still is in that grace period, and people are already coming after him early, because they're like, well, why should we wait now? And, you know, he, he gets, he sets, oh, and this is where the book part comes back in, because at the beginning of the movie, um, he goes to the New York Public Library where he's been. He has like a stash of some special things in a book. Yeah. And you could say he throws the book at the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, oh my god! The audience, like we were with, uh, it was a pretty packed audience. We were watching the night. They were just because that's something you just don't see. You don't see a man kill another man with a book. So good. Yeah, I'm sure, like, for you, as someone who's surrounded yourself your whole life with books, that must have been kind of delightful. We are both in agreement that this is the best movie of the John Wick universe so far. I Here's the thing. I do still have... I do think it's not perfect. I do think it has a couple of issues maybe in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this one builds even more on the second movie. This is spectacular action and fights and uh, it's it's so much fun too it's just i feel like this movie also helps too in that it it solves the 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 issue with the first two movies where you have you know slightly generic mob gangster type character as the antagonist in this movie um i feel like the antagonist is the the adjudicator. Yes, so the adjudicator is someone who works on behalf of the high table investigating crimes against Hitman Code. Yeah, as she's played by this actress, Asia Kate Dillon. Uh, this is actually her first feature film role. She's been in television a lot. You might know her from uh, Orange is the yeah, Black. Yeah, so we... When I saw her, I knew I recognized her from something, but I couldn't place what. Then I looked her up on Letterboxd, and I was like, this is her first movie, no way. So I Googled, and I found out she was in Orange is the New Black. She's great in this. Oh my god, as soon as you see her, I thought that for a second, I was a little worried for just a split second that they were going to go in the same direction. In the second movie, they have that one uh, assassin who's mute. And, you know, they have all of her, like, she just Uh speaks in, like, subtitles. Um, And at first I thought, is she going to be mute again? But no, she just starts talking and she has, like, a straight, flat accent. But that's great because she is, uh, she's someone who is so by the book and so cold. But it's so much, it's so delicious. It's so much fun to hear her almost like a com- like a computer with pointy ears uh talking about these uh g- going in and trying you know again being sent by the the high table to s- straighten shit out and how she does it man i got like anton sugar chills at times watching her in this movie she's fin- she's fantastic yes. uh, so many great actors and cat put in this movie um angelica houston pops up and i quite liked her um she's not in the movie for that long but uh she's like a ballet director 
<laughs> and it felt like I wondered like who is she putting on these performances for? Like there's a whole other backstory I feel like to um these ballerinas and how like gnarly it is. Like they show a close up of uh-huh. one ballerina peeling off a toenail. Um I feel like that was just there for like gross out uh, factor. Um as you probably saw from the trailer Halle Berry's in it too. I feel like this is her comeback role. <laughs> Have you seen her in anything in a while? No. The last movie I can remember her in was that kidnapping movie that we saw. Oh! <laughs> you mean the better movie the night we also saw The Dark Tower? <laughs> <laughs> uh... Our double feature of Kidnap and The Dark Tower <laughs> and the Halle Berry Kidnap movie was better. Well... She pretty much only does bad movies. Yeah, well, she also did that movie, The Call. Do you remember that? Where she's like a 911 operator. I think I confused those two movies, <laughs> and I thought they were <laughs> the same movie. How did you confuse movie? them? No. It, they're, they're, it's easy to figure those two out. Um, um, we saw The Call. Yeah, I remember. We saw that, that too. Um, but no, she's in this movie, and it's a it's a real substantive role. She, you know, she has a past with John Wick and they have she gets to act her ass off at one at one point too. That scene where, you know, it's stuff with her daughter and, and things like that. Yeah. I feel like if I wonder if the producers think, well, maybe if John Wick if, if Keanu Reeves does want to stop doing these movies, we could actually continue it with Halle Berry. Cause I feel like she's really here for this. And it's really cool, because again, she Acting her ass off as this, uh... She's talented, it's just she has horrendously bad taste in picking projects. Yeah. Yeah. Her movies are pretty much all trash. Yeah, I guess it's after X-Men, she just didn't really find her footing in Hollywood. Um, and Catwoman, too. Um, there's also another actor who pops up in one scene who I... He's, he's another one of these, like, oh, that guy actors. Um... It is, I hope I pronounce his name right. It's I think it's Saeed Tagmoui, Tagmoui or something. He's the guy who plays uh, the elder. Uh the guy in the desert. Which yes, <laughs> yeah, the guy in the desert. Um, because again, this movie, um, you could say it's kind of a redemption story in a way, but it's also you know John Wick trying to you know evade. Lots and lots of people trying to kill him, and at the same time, is there a way that I can get my ass out of this excommunicado thing? Yeah. And if anybody's going to do it, you know, you think it's going to be John Wick. Um, but I just love all the bureaucracy in this movie. I love just thinking about what the processes are with the high table and how, like... We have our rules, and there are consequences. And you keep hearing that. And I just think, like, there should be... There's, like, a political science dissertation <laughs> that could be written about this. What? And you're, the, and you're the woman to do it. I also told you that it reminded me in that way of that Nightwatch book series. Those Russian books by Sergei somebody. He's <laughs> last name yes. with an L. That's, that's a Russian name. And I read the first three books in that series, Nightwatch, Daywatch. Well, I don't remember what the third book was called. Yeah, I don't think that got made into a movie, so that's probably why. The movies are very different than the books. Yeah, I know. Well, I, again, I didn't read the books, but you, yeah, you said that they deal with 
some bureaucracy but and stuff. But the book you're very, very interested in oh. bureaucracy. You know what I just, you know what just thought natural. Here's something that just popped in my head, Corey, because um, I should mention as an aside, another movie that I showed you recently, speaking of Keanu Reeves and The Matrix, we watched Jupiter Ascending. Oh, God. But no, but I'm thinking about that one, like, five-minute pocket in that movie where the characters have to go through the bureaucracy of becoming a, like, where she, like, Mila Kunis has to become... Uh, like a prince, like an official princess in space or whatever, and I feel like what the Wachowskis were trying to do in that five minutes of kind of sort of satire, um, which which led by the way to a real weird uh, Terry Gilliam appearance, um, that is done much better in these John Wick movies. Yeah, don't watch Jupiter Ascending. Watch John Wick. Eddie Redmayne's dinosaurs. <laughs> just watch Eddie Redmayne's performance in Jupiter. Or yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, honestly, I I don't want to ever watch the movie again. Except I do want to rewatch Eddie Redmayne clips on YouTube. <laughs> uh, because I create life and I destroy it. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, anyway. the movie's horrendous. God, that. don't put Eddie Redmayne in John Wick movies. Um, don't put Eddie Redmayne in movies. <laughs> Um, Why are we doing this? All right. But anyway, there's so much fun action. And there's also just little stuff that I think I do like. Another reason I like this movie more is I think it knows itself so well by this point, And it's so yeah. comfortable um, that it can have things like, oh, now I'm blanking on that guy's name. Oh, his name is Zero. Uh, it's this actor, Mark Dacascos. And he's the guy who the adjudicator reaches out to as, all right, you're now going to wipe out, like, all these people I tell you to. But he's also a huge John Wick fan. (laughs) That character. So David Ehrlich, in his review of this movie, said it's kind of about what it's like to be famous because John Wick is famous. Yeah, I can see that. everywhere he goes, it's like getting mobbed by paparazzi, only paparazzi want to murder you. Yeah, that's a funny way to put it. It's like he even like that's why it's funny when these characters that John Wick fights, not like the nameless thugs that he, you know, easily takes out, but like people who are more of his caliber, there's like this kind of almost like a head nod to each other of, you know, all right, this is a fun fight, see you next time. <laughs> and this guy Zero is like the ultimate guy like that. And I feel like this movie, did they also, I was flashing a little bit to like, in the Nolan Batman movies, how you have Raj al Ghul and like the League of Shadows, or as Bane would say, the League of Shadows. That felt like they were doing some of that in this movie, like ninja shit. Yeah. I I mean, I was here for it, but it was kind of interesting that they introduced that in this movie. It was... I really, really, really liked this movie. I think I did too. It's it's so much. It's funny. It's clever. Um, oh, the one thing I mentioned that like the one set piece that I didn't think was as strong because the opening like half hour is just it's 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 so great. Yeah, it's so much a rush. It's almost like when you see Mad Max Fury Road the first time in that first half hour. And I also think the ending gets, like, I, I was a little worried at first, like, oh, is this going to be, like, gun battles? But it gets to be also really great. 
the middle sequence where they're uh, fighting uh, all the people in that town I can't remember in the desert. Casablanca. That one was okay. What 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 did save that one were the dogs. Yes. The dog. Oh man, Halle Berry's dogs. Like oh, I look forward to at like comic cons where people are going to cosplay as Halle Berry <laughs> and have like the dogs. Yes, because somebody um tries to kill Halle Berry's dog, but it doesn't work because she has bulletproof vests for her dogs. Which leads to this exchange because she's all pissed. They 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 shot my dog. John Wick says, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "I get it." Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes, uh, perfect. Per- like, there's a lot of just great deadpan comedy, and, and like, I was found myself laughing a lot. I found myself on the edge of my seat. Um, I found myself truly cur- like. You could feel the audience, like, recoiling and literally being in shock at some of the things they do to people. This this is really... This really, honestly... This is, like, best action ever. This should be... Like I said, I almost feel like if you have... Don't bring, like, little kids to this movie. This is not for them. Like, I know I sound like a purient old man, but this is some of the most, like, hardcore action I've ever seen in in, like, a major movie. Like it should be NC seventeen. If we had, like, if we had the same attitude towards sex in movies that we have towards violence, like if we had that standard be the same, this really shouldn't be for like people under like fifteen or sixteen. But goddamn, if I was like thirteen, I'd be all over this movie. And man, in all of these movies. The sound people should get Oscars. Yeah, you mentioned that too. Like, you mentioned when we were watching the second movie, like, the sound person earned their money. Yeah, so the sound in these action movies is so good. All the crunching and squishing and... Yeah, I, I, that's something I might have taken for granted if you hadn't pointed it out to me. But yeah, this even the sound, there's a lot of care put into the action of this of this movie and again just when you think you are getting a little tired it it does something else that really snaps you into like oh my god um you know it it relishes some of these fights like there's a fight there's a fight sequence that feels like it goes on for 20 minutes near the end and i was there for every second yeah. of it none None of the action bored me at any point, which I don't know if I can ever, I don't know if I can say that about like any other action movies. Oh, and I don't know if this was something that the filmmakers just did because they thought it would look cool, but I wondered if maybe there was a, uh, if unintentionally some type of a commentary about um, how New York City and the horses. Oh yeah. Yeah, the fact that. You know, they were going to originally try to outlaw having, you know, horse and buggy rides in uh, Manhattan, and that didn't happen. But here, it's like John Wick happens to stumble upon uh, a horse stable, (laughs) and that bit you probably saw in the trailer of uh, Keanu Reeves on a horse, that is such an amazing sequence. So good. That was where I I could tell a little bit of CGI in that. I mean, I don't think that could be helped. Um, actually, I think uh, Keanu Reeves said that um, they had uh, somebody, like, they had actually a whole car kind of behind the horse that they edited out, I think, in, in post. 
Because, you know, what if he fell off the horse? Yeah. That'd be pretty bad. Oh, I wanted to ask you, because I haven't seen The Matrix in, I don't know, like, 15 years, maybe longer. When John Wick is going to arm himself, and he says, guns, more yes, guns, yes, he that's says a Matrix that reference, it, it is right? a Matrix reference, and that's okay. why, like, I think the audience was even mouthing along to that. Um, okay, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy because I mean I haven't mem I I didn't quite remember that either, but then I looked it up after the movie and yeah, it is from because the it I have not seen the Matrix in a long time, but I have seen the first Matrix movie like three or four times back in the day. Yeah, so you know it's weird. I would I would almost say that I, I'm even though I still the Matrix in a lot of ways is kind of brilliant. I think I like the action in this more than The Matrix. This, I think John Wick 3 is definitely a better movie than The Matrix. Mm. All around. I think the thing with the action in The Matrix is, again, I'm saying this, I have not watched the movie that was, in a that, it, it has dated because well, of it the was, bullet time. I feel like it was more the novelty than the skill. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because the bullet, I mean, I remember thinking the bullet time was a real novelty, and it was the newness of it that impressed me. It uh, became a, it became one of those things, almost like, uh, um, like John Travolta doing uh, disco dancing to the Bee Gees. Yeah. It became kitschy almost immediately. Yeah, and that was it was a problem because then, um. I guess you could say, I wonder if maybe that was what led Zack Snyder to get his style, because he thought, well, I want to try to top what Bullet Time did with all the slow-mo. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great for the time, but um, yeah, I think these John Wick movies, um, Keanu Reeves has really you know, found a good place to be in as, a, okay. as an action star. Um, actually, he's the last one. You, you think that he's fine in these movies. I well, think I, I've started to come around and think he's, I really like him in these movies. Here's a the lot. thing. I, I feel like he was better in this one than he was even in the other ones, mm. but it's not, when I said he was fine, it's not a critique on his performance so much as a critique on the fact that John Wick himself is again, not a very dynamic character. He's a bit of a Steve Rogers. <laughs> but that's the point of John Wick. John Wick is the personification of Stillwater's Run Deep. <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> and I do think Keanu Reeves has real presence. He has real presence to me, yeah. It's just that John Wick is written to be a pretty undemonstrative, undynamic guy. Yeah, so I think he plays into that. It works it, it, in a way, though. He works because he, it when cause he's able to react off of certain people, though. Like again, I yeah. feel like he's so great in that scene where the guy, uh, they're waiting in the Continental for a moment. Even though, and they were just fighting outside, but obviously they can't fight inside the Continental. And they're like sitting. He's Keanu Reeves is sitting in a chair, and the other guy is just like. Man, I just want to tell you how great you are. He uh, sits right next to Keanu Reeves. He sits right next to him. It's very awkward. And he's totally fanboys out. It's almost like it's almost like the John Wick version of what we saw in the Marvel movies. 
how um, Spider-Man kind of geeks out when he meets Captain America. It's like, it's so much fun, because we, we can put ourselves into that kind of situation. Like, maybe. I don't know. I, I would, I'd be a little afraid of John Wick. No. Would you say, I do feel like, though, to really enjoy John Wick 3, you have to see the other movies. I think this no, franchise... You do. you do. I think this franchise is much more continuity dependent than other action franchises are. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because... And I, I, yeah, I, hmm, I'm wondering if maybe you could see the second movie without seeing the first one. But even then, I think that there are, you know, there's so much foundational stuff in the first movie, you know, even down to, you know, the, the cliche, but it works of, you know, the dog being killed and that setting everything off. Um, and also you just, in the first movie, you get that great scene where he goes down to the basement and, uh, you know, tears up the, the concrete floor to get all of his weapon stash. So <laughs> to a scene like that, you, you got, you got So I'm that. really glad I watched all these movies together in a compressed time frame. That way they were all fresh. Yeah. Also... The three movies themselves only cover a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah. I think that a character even mentions, uh, like, this all takes place over the course of, like, a few weeks. Yeah, poor John Wick really needs a day to just relax. He needs a he day. He needs a spa day. Yes, John like, Wick yeah, needs by a spa the, day. Yeah, it's like, I kept wondering, especially in the third movie, like... Oh, man, when can he get, like, a change of clothes? I know! He's in the, like, he has the same blood stain from, like, <laughs> midway through the second movie, and it's, uh... Poor guy needs a spa day. He needs a TV day. He needs a massage. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I, I would be... Uh, I don't know, if I were John Wick, I would be a little wary of someone giving him a massage. Because, because... all the masseuses all the are hitmen. <laughs> and hit women. <laughs> Because literally every single person in New York City is a hitman. Yeah, yeah. And or a yeah, hitwoman. Yeah, it's almost like, it's a, a much, I love, yeah, I love the world building in this. Love it, love it, love it. All right, um, any final words about, about these movies? I think we've kind of talked them up enough. Good times. And it's a really, it's gratifying to watch a series that gets better as it goes. Yeah, yeah, it gets better. And I would rank... Overall, as a movie, I don't know if I would rank it as high as what I'm about to say, but the action in this movie, you know, I think about this decade and I think of things like Mad Max Fury Road, Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, maybe The Raid 2, and it's that quality of, of, if you want just pure escapist, you know, stuff, yeah, go see this movie, but again... I stress that you should try to watch the first two movies. Don't go into Parabellum. Par 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 is that what it's called? Yeah. That's a little bit awkward, a title, by the way. They should have just called it John Wick Chapter 3. This Parabellum stuff. I know what, like, I looked it up, by the way. It's supposed to mean... Well, they say it in the movie. Yeah. Prepare for war. Yeah, for peace, all that. But you could have just called it Chapter 3, and it would have been fine. It would have been cleaner. <laughs> like, like, drop the the on Facebook. All right. Um, so if you've seen the, any of these movies, uh, if you're a hockey podcaster, uh, <laughs> send us an email to Wages of Cinema. Thank you Gmail. for getting me to watch John Wick, t John Wick movies. 
Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, that you dug them. It, it was it was not something that normally I tell you you must sit down and watch these movies. Normally I'm like, hey, you want to watch this Bergman movie? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the third movie sets us up pretty nicely for a fourth movie that I really, really hope happens. Yeah, like it, it leaves on another cliffhanger, um, and. I guess technically you could say if they ended it as a trilogy, it would still work. But I, but I feel like they left things on such a note where, yeah, we gotta know what happens now. Like there's just been like too many double crosses, and um, and I just I kind of want I want to meet more people from the 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 high temple or the high table. I want to know, you know. I want to meet more of these assholes who are so like yeah. sticklers for the rules. Um, and like maybe the next movie he'll go like the rainforest or something. Cause he went to the desert in this one. It'll change it up or, or something like that. All right. So thank you, Corey, for watching these with me and going on this journey. Thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Have you already seen the movies? Well, and I was happy to rewatch them because they're they're good, uh, especially the second one. Um, so, like I said, uh, make sure to check Facebook and Twitter if you want to send us a tweet, your reactions, and review us on iTunes. Uh, might even do some stuff soon with Patreon. We'll we'll see what happens with that. And when we come back next time, we're still in summer of 2019, so expect some new movie reviews. Uh, we'll do something at some point when we feel like it. Well, yeah, but um, but there might also be a review, uh, just to tease, of something that you are very much not interested in, and I couldn't get you to care about it. Correct. Uh, that's all I'll say to leave you on pins and needles. You tried and failed. I tried and failed, and but it will be something that you'll hear a review of um, with a couple of guest stars. Um, so until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. Wage of Cinema is death. Hugs. Like, and death by guns. More lots, guns. Lots of guns. Good night. And away we go. This is my quest to follow.